Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you pursue the issues that really matter to you. My guest this week is Casey Lee, who was so wonderful to come on and talk with me after not too much notice. Casey and I talked about the attacks in Atlanta on March 16th and the rise in anti-Asian violence during the coronavirus pandemic. So without further ado, Let's get started with this episode featuring Casey Lee. I'm from rural Oregon, but I hope to move to the East Coast once I figure out, you know, college situation and where I'm going to go later this fall. Um, but you can find me at Space to Speak because I'm a graphic designer for them, Beyond Resolve, which is like an organization dedicated to end um, inequities in the debate space. And then also more recently, Project Lotus, where I am their project manager. And for each of these organizations, they're pretty activism-based, um, and in particular to different causes that I'm uh, passionate about, which includes anti-sexual violence movement, and also just like general inequities in high school speech and debate, because I participate in high school speech and debate. And then the third one would be um, kind of mental health and raising awareness about mental health, specifically within the Asian American community, as there's a lot of stigma pertaining to that particular thing. But yeah, and so hopefully I'll be able to continue working in these organizations even after I graduate. And I one day hope to be a teacher and study American studies in college. That was a great introduction, and I'm really glad that we're getting the chance to talk today. If you're comfortable, I'd really like to start off talking about the shootings that took place last week in Atlanta, in which eight people were killed, and six of those victims were women of Asian descent. What were your thoughts when you heard about the shootings, and could you maybe tell me some about how that day went for you, what was going through your head, just kind of give me the whole scoop on that day? Yeah, so I was, you know, just like Instagram, not doing homework. And it was like a pretty like regular night. Like I wasn't really expecting anything to happen. And like when I had first seen like a screenshot of the headline, I was kind of like taken aback a little bit because, um, you know, like over the past couple of weeks, it's not uncommon to see like the videos or the photos or like other headlines talking about like elders being individually attacked. And so this was I guess a bit different in that there were multiple people and this was, you know, like it ultimately led to fatalities. And so I think in that aspect, it was really surprising. But at the same time, like on that same coin, I felt like just with what was what has been going on the past year, it wasn't like surprising as in like, wow, I can't believe this would have ever happened, you know, in the United States, considering everything going on. So I don't know, it was really exhausting and I honestly was really scared because the the shooter specifically attacked Asian women and I'm an Asian woman and a survivor. And so I felt like the two most unconcealable aspects of my identity were like a target for me potentially, you know, being hurt in some way and also my family as well. So I think um, definitely after hearing it, it was really heartbreaking and surprising in some ways, but also it's just, it was the, the catalyst for a lot of fear for, you know, my own well-being and the well-being of others. 
definitely. And I am so grateful that you're sharing your perspective with me on this podcast now. And if you don't mind, do you think that you could tell me a little bit about the experiences that brought you to be an advocate right now? Um, what are some of the experiences you've had that maybe made you want to start your activism? I guess just kind of tell me how you got to this point today and give me more of the background about you. Yeah, so I think the first kind of like intro to activism, I guess, for me was specifically working within the high school debate community because, you know, I was a pretty big part or debate was a big part of my life all throughout high school. And so kind of having experienced inequities personally and hearing about it, you know, I wanted to kind of go out there and do something about it because it because it, it is really unfair for like women and non-binary folks and, you know, to be put at a disadvantage within the debate space specifically. So I think because I was so close to that issue, I wanted to speak out about it. And that's where I kind of joined Beyond Resolved. But then after that, I kind of realized that, you know, being an activist and speaking out about certain issues felt like a valuable thing for me to do and something that I wanted to continue to do. And that's when I started joining Space to Speak um, because I already mentioned that I was a survivor and they were specifically working with anti-sexual violence. And then from there, I started, you know, dabbling in other things. And yeah, so I think it was just kind of me opening my eyes to kind of the issues that exists, but instead of just sitting down and, you know, doing nothing about it, actually wanting to go out and do something and kind of make productive change. I think that's a really great point to be, to try to be productive instead of just feeling hopeless. I also really would like to get your take on, I think there was this like sense of surprise that came with the shootings for a lot of people and they may not have been aware of the massive amounts of anti-Asian violence that's occurred since the pandemic started last March. Stop AAPI Hate, when I was doing some research, I looked up their, their records and they recorded almost 3,800 reports of hate incidents during the pandemic. And I think a lot of people weren't aware of this reality. Do you have any idea or any thoughts about why so much of these events and so much of this went unreported? Yeah, I think it's kind of like two different things. I think that being an Asian American, like you you kind of like hear every now and then of like someone being like directly racist to someone, like whether it be, you know, saying something or making a joke. But I think like in East Asian culture in particular, it's really common for parents to teach their kids to not complain and to just take it and keep going and, you know, persevering through it and stuff like that. And I think that is a huge part as to why sometimes Asian Americans themselves feel like they can't speak up about these things because oftentimes they're told by their parents, but but also by, you know, the model minority myth that posits this idea that, you know, Asians are these better, like, quote-unquote, better minorities that don't experience racism because, you know, they're stereotypically successful. And I think because we're hearing these two things from both our families and our culture, but also American society, we're, like, put in this really awkward position where we don't feel like we can complain about those types of things. But I also feel like it's just that a lot of the time people don't realize how ingrained racism is into the, you know, infrastructure of the United States until it takes you know something that happened in Atlanta to really get people's attention and that's sad to say but I think a lot of the time especially with how there's this stereotype that Asians are really smart and you know successful people don't really realize that there is that discrimination going on and so even though 
Asian Americans have been experiencing, you know, racism for their entire life since they came to the United States because of this stereotype and also because of this, you know, like it's more, I don't want to say covert, but like people don't really talk about it because it's not like happening at like massive scales before the pandemic that people just didn't really take the time to realize, which is, you know, I don't really think you can particularly blame an individual for doing so. But I think sometimes it really just it's hard to realize things unless they're happening to you directly or unless it takes this like huge event that gets all this media coverage for people to like take notice to what's been happening. Yeah, I think it's it's a really unfortunate reality. And I think I think kind of off of that point, can you tell me about if or how Donald Trump's messaging around COVID may have affected those rates of hate incidents? Yeah, totally. So like, I think I go to a pretty, you know, I live in a pretty predominantly white town and like we are pretty right leaning and a lot of the people I go to school with are also right leaning. And when we have these conversations about politics and Donald Trump, because, you know, the election just happened, I feel like a lot of the time people will realize that rhetoric specifically from someone like the president of the United States does have an impact on people's actions and how they perceive others. And specifically because Donald Trump is a cis white man, you know, a lot of people who follow him also like have that identity. So when he speaks in a way that puts, you know, Asian people or black people or indigenous people in this kind of like mindset where they're lesser than or they're inferior than, you know, a cis white man I think a lot of people internalize that and they start viewing you know Asians as you know the root cause of this pandemic which obviously has has created so many detriments in society so I think because they resonate with him and he's saying all these things they begin to internalize that and view Asians the same way he does and obviously in this case it kind of sometimes we'll go to the point where they're act out and they'll go out and say things or they're actively hurt someone if that makes sense Yeah, I think the way that he referred to coronavirus as the China flu, and as you mentioned, sort of blamed Asian people, it really served to divide us further when we needed more unity at the beginning of the pandemic. So I'd love to switch gears a little bit and ask you, what are the best ways for white allies to support the Asian American community right now and as we move into the future, of course? I think there are a lot of like different layers of things. Like I think The easiest, the things that that are, I guess, easiest and most accessible is like reposting and like listening to, you know, Asian creators and like buying from Asian owned businesses. But I think that's just one layer. And that, you know, just because you follow X amount of Asian people doesn't necessarily like absolve you from like racism or absolve you from learning. So I think you can do all those things and those things are great because they are supportive and it does, you know, those little things do matter. But I honestly think that the biggest thing that people can do is to educate themselves, but then educate themselves and then change their behaviors or their actions or their mindsets based on what they're learning. Because I think, like, even I didn't realize until this past year how deeply rooted racism is in such a way that it impacts the way that I think, it impacts the way that I perceive people. And it's my responsibility to be able to unpack those things and learn why they're wrong and then ultimately change what I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, I don't really think much is going to happen if we learn and we acknowledge that it's bad and then you know nothing really happens afterward I think it's that that point of action or the point of doing something not individually but also you know working to try and make systemic change or you know just both doing things individually to create change with yourself but also 
I guess, in the outside world. But I guess that second thing is, you know, a little bit case by case basis, because, you know, doing political work isn't necessarily accessible for everyone. So I think that the biggest thing would be to learn and then change and like continue to learn and continue to change, because I think that there's so much learning to be done both by me and, you know, everybody else about this issue. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think that's something I like to talk a lot about, um, educating yourself, seeking out new resources. I really like that advice. So I would also like to ask, hopefully on a more optimistic note, what are you hoping comes of the attacks in Atlanta? Are you hopeful that this awareness will make any sort of change in the future? Where are you looking from here? Um, What does the future look like to you? That's a really good question. And I think, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, after I'd posted the post on my Instagram. And I think at some points it gets a little bit frustrating because I feel like the people who need to see it and who need, I, I don't want to say need to act the most, but like, for example, like the shooter was a white man. He was a cis white man who had this issue. And, you know, I know plenty of cis white men. And I think at some points I got really frustrated because I felt like the information wasn't reaching that particular demographic of people that I felt it was necessary. And so, you know, it was hard for a couple of days, but I think I am hopeful that something will be able to change. And I, I really do hope that people will, you know, take the time to learn as much as they can and you know, change their behaviors and actions. And then maybe one day have that all culminate to like political change and systemic change, because that obviously matters too. But I don't know. I really don't know what the future will look like and it's really difficult to say like time frame or like how that change will come about but I I do hope for the day in which minorities whether it be racial minorities or gender minorities or you know etc won't have this like constant fear that their identity is always going to be or, or will always make them a target for something and like I said earlier I don't really know what that I guess how that will happen but I really do hope that with kind of support and change that one day the world will be a place where people feel safer to be themselves. I love that. And I think it's a great goal. Even if you don't have a how yet, it's it's a great goal to have. I have one last question for you that I like to ask all of my guests. Lots of young people, particularly college students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world. Do you have any advice that you'd want to share with these people who just may not know where to get started. And do you have any words of wisdom for them? I think the first thing that popped in my head was like pursue the like the values and the missions and the objectives that, you know, mean something to you. Like I think when you're in high school and you know, you're kind of like on social media, you're bombarded with all of these different issues and all of them definitely matter. Um, but I think one of the things that helped me the most um, when it came to like who do I want to help, which communities, the most beneficial thing for me was to pick, you know, the issues that I was deeply, deeply passionate about, because honestly, I think that helped me throughout the process to, you know, continue to this drive to continue, you know, working and continuing to like think of ideas and new ways in which I can, you know, help to make change. And I think that makes the process a lot easier and a bit you know, it's not as overwhelming because I think activism as a concept is can be super daunting, especially if you're walking right into it. So I think if you really just reflect and think, you know, what issues matter to you and then really go after that and to be fearless in what you're doing, because it's also really scary. 
like I definitely had times where I was terrified of posting something or saying something, but I think, you know, can continue to learn and continue to speak out and, you know, doing things that you can when you can is probably one of the most important things. Um, And also, you know, pursuing certain issues that really matter to you. While it was a really tough topic, I learned so much from Casey talking about the Atlanta attacks. She is really passionate about her activism and about the communities that she's fighting for. As Casey talked about, there's so much going on in the world and there are so many issues that you may want to try to solve. But change comes when you pursue the issues that really matter to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Casey on Instagram at K-C-E-Y-L-E-E to follow along with her content and get connected with her. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.